Chapter 7 With osprey eyes, I could see the weird aerial battle long before we reached it. Tobias was twisting and turning, flaring, diving, catching updrafts, and just generally putting on a display of flying skills. But the two Helmicron ships were matching him almost move for move. Snoopy and the Red Baron, Marco said. It did look like some bizarre parody of a World War I fighter pilot movie. Only, instead of machine guns, the Helmocrons were firing their tiny Dracon beams. I could see singed and burned feathers, but Rachel noticed what I had missed. They're aiming for his eyes! They're trying to blind him! Jake was the first to join the battle. Rachel was seconds behind him. The rest of us caught up half a minute later. Rachel went straight for the first ship. She hit it, talons out, raked it, spun it through the air, and peeled off to come back around. Jake tried the same trick on the second ship, but it dodged and he missed. Fortunately, it dodged right toward me. And I was mad now. They'd been trying to blind Tobias. The little spaceship came straight for me, firing its little beams. I spilled air clumsily but managed to drop a couple of feet, whipped my wings open, caught a decent breeze, and shot up from beneath the ship. I couldn't get my talons up, so I just slammed into it beak first. That was not a good idea. The impact stunned me and made my vision swim. I didn't think I wanted to try that again, but fortunately, the Helmicrons broke off and hauled butt toward my farm, just a quarter of a mile away. We were fast birds, but the Helmocron ships were a lot faster. Now that they decided to avoid more bird fighting, they reached the water pump before we could really even line up to chase them. We have to stop them! Rachel yelled. But it was wings versus engines, and wings aren't going to win that kind of race. Tobias, are you okay? I asked him as we flew. Yeah, just a few holes here and there. They almost got my right eye, but they missed. You guys got there just in time. Axe was in Northern Harrier Morph, not far away. The question is, why did they attack Tobias? He was following them, Jake suggested. They should have thought he was just a bird, Axe pointed out. Surely they can tell the difference between humans and other Earth species. Are you suggesting they somehow knew what Tobias really is? I asked. I do not know, Axe said guardedly. I am just expressing concern. Maybe so, but now I had concern too. Why had the Helmicrons tried to shoot a bird? No time for that now. We had to get to the blue box. But with my enhanced vision, I could already see that we were too late. The two little ships were hovering beside the pump, 
I could just make out the tiny little energy beams. Beams that were cutting, slowly, through the steel pump. I was wearing myself out, flapping as hard as I could. But the Helmotrons just kept slicing through the metal toward the prize. We were all about 200 feet away when the pump simply fell over onto the ground. And sitting there, out in the open, revealed for all to see, was the blue box. We closed the distance, Jake in the lead, Rachel right behind him, the rest of us bunched up. From the two Helmicron ships came a pale greenish beam, different from the weapons. It came from the bottom of each ship as they hovered directly above the box. The blue box moved. Tractor beams! Axe yelled. They are attempting to take the box! The ship rose slowly, and the box rose slowly with them. They turned, and the box turned too. And then Jake struck. And then Rachel. One ship broke off. The tractor beam failed. The box fell to the ground. The earlier dogfight had just been a warm-up. Now things were getting serious. Chapter 8 Rachel, look out! He's on your tail! I got him! Cassie, turn left! 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 I banked hard, and twin dracon beams missed me by millimeters. It was sheer madness. The two silvery toy spaceships, twisting and turning and firing wildly into a melee with six birds of prey, and all of it taking place within about a 20 by 20 by 20 foot space in my yard. It was a good thing my parents were out. Cassie, above you! Tobias yelled. I turned sharply, flapped, and found the ship coming down almost in front of me. I raked my talons forward, but I didn't have the speed. And worse yet, I was getting tired. Birds of prey aren't geese. They aren't made for long flights without some relaxing soaring and gliding. And they certainly aren't made for playing air tag for 20 minutes. We were all wearing out. It is unbelievably exhausting keeping your wings going constantly, let alone when you're in a turn 90% of the time. But the Helmicrons were not tiring. And while their little beams couldn't kill us, our talons and beaks couldn't kill them, either. We could knock them around, but we couldn't penetrate their outer skin. Rachel was the first to land. She practically fell in the dirt. She had the largest morph, the one least able to endure the turning and switchbacks. Can't, she gasped, can't go on. Ah! Axe yelled. A Helmicron shot had hit its mark. I saw a tiny smoking hole in his right eye. He landed too. Demorphine would fix the wound, but I knew it must be very painful. One of the Helmicron ships broke off the battle and went back to the blue box. But that couldn't happen. I landed and began to demorph as fast as I could. There are times when human is the best of all. I sprouted up from the ground and tried to catch the Helmicron with fingers only partly emerged from my wings and feet that were basically just size 6 talons. The pale green beam locked onto the blue box. The ship lifted off again, carrying the box, despite the fact that the box was bigger than the ship itself. 
The ship was heading toward the open barn door. Deliberately? No, that would be stupid. The Helmicron simply didn't know they were heading into what would be a trap. I was more and more human, and now I could walk fairly well. I chased the retreating blue box. Into the barn! Sunlight shone through dozens of small knotholes or gaps in the boards, but it was still dim and gloomy inside. The rows of smaller cages were stacked to my right. The larger cages were on my left in a single row. A rough half-wall kept the larger predators separate. Beyond them, isolated at the far end of the barn, were the horse stalls. The horses were all out in the field, but in the barn we had a half a dozen bats, two rabbits, two raccoons, a vole, a gopher, two deer, a badger, a goose, two morning doves, a fox, three mallard ducks, a merlin, a robin, and a blue jay not to mention the various rats and mice who lived there. The Helmercron ship had come to a stop, hovering in midair. It sat atop the blue box, like a hen trying to hatch an egg. Give up the box, I said to the Helmercron ship. If you don't, I'll have to hurt you. Surrender or be annihilated, the Helmercrons replied. I don't think so. In fact... I really don't think you folks are going to have much luck conquering Earth. We will crush you. All humans will serve us. Excuse me? I don't mean to be insensitive or... I searched for the right word. I don't want to be sizest, but has it occurred to you that we're kind of big for you to conquer? I mean, your whole ship is smaller than my foot. And your weapons don't really hurt us. I guess this was news to the Helmocrons, because they fell silent. I thought, good, maybe I got through to them. Flash! I blinked and held up my hand, too late to block the flashbulb brilliance. It had been a green light of shocking intensity. I wasn't hurt, but I was definitely seeing spots. And then... I noticed something very odd. The cages were growing larger. The animals in them were growing larger. The Helmorkon ship and the blue box were growing larger. Oh no, I said, more amazed than frightened. I'm shrinking. Chapter 9 I was getting small. I was getting small very fast. I've shrunk before, when I've morphed various insects, for example. But this was new. I was shrinking as a human. The only good thing was that at least my morphing suit was shrinking too. Bad to be shrinking. Worse to be shrinking right out of your clothes. Hey! I yelled. What did you do to me? Ha! You glory in your swollen, bloated book, human! You dare to defy us! We shall see how bold you are when you are the same size as we! Now you will taste bitter defeat! Now you will feel the sting of eternal humiliation! I don't glory in my... Hey, who are you calling gloated? Wait a minute! Stop this! I was still shrinking, 
I'd started at four foot something. Now I was less than a foot tall. And I was still shrinking. I glanced over and saw a raccoon. He was bigger than I was. Not to mention a million times more hostile. Cassie! I spun around and spotted Tobias, swooping in like a 747 coming in for a landing. Tobias, look out! They have a shrinking ray! A what? Flash! Never mind. You'll find out soon enough. Ha-ha! You all think to resist the might of the Helmicrons because you are large and because you glow with the transformational power. But we, too, know how to use the transformational power. Shrink! Shrink! And become our abject and pitiful slaves! Hey, Tobias said, sounding puzzled. I'm shrinking, and you've already shrunk. Tobias, you have to warn the others not to come in here. Somehow they're using the power of the blue box to do this. I can't leave you. You're less than six inches tall. Warn the others, I cried. Tobias turned, but he was shrinking fast. He was already down to about hummingbird size. Suddenly, the door was much farther away for him. Well, this is unfortunate, he said. A huge, galumphing form appeared in the doorway. Marco. Get back, I screamed. But, of course, what he heard was... Get back! Flash! Hey! Marco yelled. No flash photography. Marco, quick! Before you shrink, warn the others to stay out. Say what? Before I what? But he turned and yelled over his shoulder. Jake! Axe! Rachel! Stay out of here! I could see him peering down at me. His face was about the size of the Goodyear blimp, if it were about to land on you. Oh, this isn't good, he said. I was shrinking still further. I was already as small as a cockroach. The roof of the barn already looked like it was the sky. A dim overhead light might as well have been the moon. Marco was standing on sequoia legs, with feet the size of twin titanics. What's happening in there? Jake yelled. Well, Marco said calmly, The Helmocrons have the blue box, and they seem to be using it in a kind of bizarre way. I'm coming in, Jake said decisively. No, Marco yelled in a voice that already sounded like someone breathing helium. No, Jake and Axe, do not come in. Then, as an afterthought, he said, Rachel, you could come in. Marco! Tobias chided. Hey, the Wicked Witch gets to be full-size, and I'm down here singing, We Represent the Lollipop Guild? I don't think so. Rachel, Jake, everyone, stay out! Tobias cried in thought-speak that we all heard clearly. Okay, everyone just stay put, Jake ordered. Look, the other Helmicron ship took off. Rachel hit it with a brick. I would have laughed. Only, I was now shrinking down to the point where scattered bits of hay on the ground were looking like huge felled trees. Grains of dirt with the size of soccer balls. I think I'm done shrinking, I said. Not that anyone heard me. Something flew into view. 
something that seemed weirdly large. Tobias. He was roughly the size of a very small fly, but he was about as big as me. I think I've stopped shrinking, he said. Me too. But we're the same size. I should be smaller than you. I started out much smaller than you. I guess that's not how it works, I said. I think the idea here is to shrink us all to the same size as the Helmicrons themselves. Marco, now no more than three inches tall himself, came walking over. He was huge to us, but his face was getting closer all the time. Oh man, you guys are small, he said. Honey, I shrunk the Animorphs. Rachel, get a break, Jake said in a huge voice that reverberated around us. Hello, Phantomorphs, and thank you for listening to another episode of Audiomorphs, the Animorphs auditory experience. As always, this is your host, Daniel, and if you can hear that uh, slight background noise, that is the sound of crisp, cool AC being pumped into my apartment. Sorry I didn't post yesterday, this is why. Uh, it took me a long time to set that up, but I'm also in the middle of a heat wave. It's supposed to hit 90 this weekend, so it was very important for my well-being that this get done. Uh, so, sorry but not sorry. Um, thank you all for listening, though. We got so many, uh, not so many, but we've got, uh, some discourse going on. Uh, it's a follow-up, everyone, to last week's, uh, Yerkweed, uh, discussion. Um, both, uh, Willis, as well as, uh, some some other people on Twitter. Uh, sorry, I don't have the names pulled up. Yeah, Willis uh, uh, DM'd me this, so I ha- I have his name. Um, the others were replies on Twitter. But um, if for those of you that I guess maybe didn't listen last week, um, but are listening to my end show notes this week, uh, we had a uh, a question on if a controller were to smoke weed, would it affect the yerk? And I said. I don't think so, because uh, the yerk is merely uh, interfacing with the brain and not with, like, necessarily the bloodstream. However, uh, Willis points out that uh, there is a known canonical case of a human ingesting something and it affecting the yerk, and that is, of course, the ginger instant oatmeal. So Willis uh, posits that THC could also affect uh, yerks as well. Um, and other people chimed in as well, uh, pointing out that, uh, sorry, lost my train of thought, pointing out that perhaps weed would affect Yerks. That's a great point. I did forget about the instant ginger oatmeal. Um, yeah, maybe Yerks are getting zonked on weed. I don't know. Uh, that's, that's a great point. And I don't know enough about biology to answer that. Uh, if they can somehow get effects from ginger instant oatmeal, which does not affect the human body at all. Um, through the brain, then I have to imagine, yeah, they, they are getting some sort of exchange, uh, with the body chemistry of the host they have. So it's, it's quite possible that smoking weed would get a yurkai. I don't know. Uh, Willis also had, uh, I'll, I'll read this one directly. Uh, he also said, it has also been thrown around on Reddit that the tail injury is some sort of disease or illness caused by a weapon that affected the Andalite's DNA. Which would mean morphine can't heal it. It seems that it's pretty agreed that morphine couldn't heal things like cancer or genetic illness. 
Um, possible. Uh, Yerks, I, I'm a little doubtful of that because it doesn't seem like Yerks are especially skilled at bioengineering. And, uh, we know that the Andalites had a uh, extended period of uh, peace prior to the uh, war with the Yurks, which is kind of why the Andalites got caught flat-footed uh, in regards to the rapid expansion of the Yurk Empire. They weren't. They they kind of had to relearn how to do war, right? Uh, so thank you for writing in on that, uh, Willis. Uh, they also then sent, sent a follow-up idea, uh, which was a spooky Animorphs fanfiction idea. And this idea is, uh, the group gets time displaced again, but this time to the Dark Ages in Europe, where they find a large, monstrous, wolf-like alien terrorizing people. They are forced to, uh, acquire it. They morph the creature, have a fight at night, it happens to be a full moon. They get sent back home afterwards, and they are the basis for the European werewolf myths. That does sound like something the Animorphs uh, book series would do. Um, that's very much in line with their sort of accidentally... Uh, it's very much in line with Mr. Alan Fangor and his friends Steve and Bill that he helped inspire, right? Um, yeah, that's a, that's a silly little fanfic idea. I like it. I quite like it. Someone someone can write that for me. Um, I also have a message from uh, Christopher on Twitter. Who wrote in saying, Hey Daniel, loving the growth of the episodes. Been listening since you began book two. Shout out my longtime fans. And I never miss a release. Uh, loving the after show notes, especially when you get a random brainbuster question. So I thought I'd offer one. The Andalites all have translator chips that can translate any language. In the few minutes that Elfangor is with Lauren, he's able to translate English. But they have known about taxons for years and still only hear hissing and screeching. Why do you think they can't understand the taxon language? Plot hole or deliberate design to make Arbron more important? Uh, that's a great question. I, again, I am not the foremost, uh, expert on the Animorphs canon. My memory's not super great. Um, but I feel like there's been instances where they have encountered alien species where the alien language was just too, uh, to, to alien, um, for the, the translator to, you know what? Actually, now I'm saying that out loud, I might be thinking of Star Trek. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, Star Trek deals with this trope too, right? Cause Star Trek, uh, uses a similar sort of universal translator where you hear an alien speak for a period of time and, and analyzes that language structure and then is able to translate it for you. But they sometimes run into aliens where their mode of speech is so foreign to, um, you know, human language that the translator simply just simply isn't able to compute it into um uh, uh understandable language. And so I think that's probably some something similar is happening with the taxons, where their their language is just so different from Andalite language that uh there's there's just no overlap in which their translator chips can grab onto. Although there was also the thing with the like uh the taxon like hive mind thing so like maybe there was a thing where like uh they don't maybe these ta the taxon controllers don't even really uh have their own language because i know they speak a bit of galard and it's like a really messed up galard because uh, of their mouth shape um but when yurks talk to each other as taxons they're speaking galard they're not speaking the 
uh, Taxon language. It's possible that Taxon controllers who are split from that hive mind consciousness uh, lose their language. You know, that's a, that's another possibility. I'm just not sure. But that's a great thing to think about. If any of you guys have uh, thoughts about Taxon language, you can contact me through so many ways. You can do it through Twitter, like Christopher and uh, Willis did. That's at Audiomorphs. You can do that, uh, which is also where you should check. If, like yesterday, I didn't get a time to uh, upload, I'll put my status updates there so you know what's going on. Uh, you can do it through Gmail. That's Audiomorphscast at gmail.com. Or you can do it on Tumblr. That's audiomorphscast.tumblr.com. Finally, you can do that through my website. That's theapocalypse.com. It's the apocalypse, like apocalypse, but with a D in the middle. Uh, I think that's all the messages I got. I I checked my you know the usual suspects and I didn't see anything. So I hope I didn't. I hope my brain didn't like forget something. If if you wrote in and I didn't read it this time, I deeply apologize. Write in again and remind me, and I will find that message that I may have lost. Because uh, there's something in the back of my brain, like, I feel like there was something else, but I can't remember. So that's what you get. Sorry. Um, oh, and you can also leave me a rating review on Apple Podcasts. I do read those. That'd be a weird way to talk about Yerkweed, but, uh, you know, why not go for it? You know, why not? Why not? Uh, let's see. That's that's really all I got to say. Uh, thank you all for listening. Um, don't at me about my... <laughs> About the uh, the helium uh, shrinking voice effects um, and how I didn't give one to Tobias, but I've given them to the Helmicrons, even though the Helmicrons also use ThoughtSpeak. I cho- I made an artistic choice there, and um, I just didn't want to give Tobias a high squeaky voice. I think there was enough of that in this chapter, and uh, you know, I I don't think <laughs> I I think it's fun for now. Uh, I I don't think we'll be keeping it up beyond giving you a sense that they've shrunk, because um, I think it's. Maybe a little hard to listen to. <laughs> Just my opinion. Um, thank you all for listening. Uh, next week should be fine, even though there is a uh, extended weekend. It shouldn't disrupt the schedule. So I will see you all next week. My name is Daniel, and I believe one day the Andalites will come. Until then, we fight. <laughs>